Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at www.cwcsj.org for service times and directions. For the rest of you, would you stand with me as you turn your Bibles to the book of Luke? I'm going to continue a message that I started speaking last week called All In. Everyone say All In. Come on, look at your neighbor and say All In. I believe there comes a time in our lives that we have to go all in. We, we were in Vegas uh, recently for a wedding, and uh, I don't gamble, but I was in, 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 in uh, Vegas doing a wedding, and we went with someone that's very familiar with Vegas, okay? And so they gave us a tour of the different the different casinos and we're walking through and I don't understand a lot of the different things that they do there you know the blackjack uh, you know I understand about blackjack or poker but I don't understand like uh, roulette and some of the other things but one thing that I've always heard about is in poker every so often you get those individuals that go all in they 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 are so confident in the hand that they have that to them it's not even a bet or a gamble. So they go all in. They believe so much in what they have that they go all in. And I'm here to tell you something this morning. I believe there comes a time in our spiritual walks where you have to understand that you have a hand that can't be beat. That you have to recognize that regardless of what I see with my eyes, that I have a promise from my Heavenly Father and there is nothing that can come against me and we have to go all in. It's hard to go all in when their problem is bigger than your resource. But this morning, I want you to know that Jesus said it's without faith, it's not hard, but it's impossible to please God. Luke chapter 9, we read a story here where John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, has died. Jesus gets his disciples together after burying his friend and they're just burnt. Have you ever been in a season in your life where you're burnt out? You've just gone through some losses. You've gone through some pain and you just need to get away. And so you're getting away and this is what happens here. As they get away, the disciples are going for some R&R. When they get there, there's a crowd of people and not just a crowd. We're talking about Over 20,000 people have gathered waiting for something from God. Read with me here starting in verse 12 of chapter 9 of the book of Luke. If you're there, say amen. Amen. If you're not, say amen. Amen. When the day began to wear away, Jesus is teaching. The disciples are tired and Jesus keeps teaching. That the twelve came to him and said, send the multitude away so that they may go to the surrounding towns and countries and lodge and get provisions. For we are in a deserted place. Someone say a deserted place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. You look at your neighbor, tell them, you give them something. If there's no one sitting next to you, close your eyes, speak to yourself and say, you give them something. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there was about 5,000 men. 
Everyone say 5,000 men. Pray with me now. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. As you're seated, say all in. I want you to know that we've been speaking on awakening. I believe that the Bible is a book of awakenings. An awakening is not a revival. A revival will change a church. An awakening will change a nation. A revival will stir up a church while an awakening will transform a society. A revival will get you excited, but an awakening will change laws in a nation. Awakenings change direction of nations. It's not just a revival that gets you and I jumping, shouting, and prophesying to one another. An awakening will literally transform a a, a group of people. And I want you to understand an awakening is this. An awakening is a realization that you were created for something better. An awakening is a realization that you were created for something better. That there's something happens when an awakening hits a marriage that's on the verge of divorce. There, there's an awakening that happens when you're on the verge of bankruptcy. There's an awakening that happens when your body has been riddled with cancer. When you begin to recognize, I'm not a Christian, I'm a citizen of heaven. Yeah. You, you, that was a really good place to say amen for those of you that didn't catch that. You see, I need you to understand that awakenings are where you recognize that I'm not in a religion. I'm in a relationship with God and that I have a legal right to healing when my body's sick. I have a legal right to financial blessing when I'm in struggle. I have a right for restoration of relationships when I'm in trouble. I have a right to be broken free of addictions when I'm going through trouble. And so I need you to understand that awakening happens when you realize that you were created for something better. See, you will never experience a transformation until you experience an awakening. You can get saved and still be in bondage. Notice what happens. Last week I shared with you, and I'm just going to kind of recap real quickly. Notice... Notice what happens here, that the teaching of the word should accomplish certain things. And we're just going to kind of review that the, as Jesus began to teach, it starts early in the day. And as he's teaching, all of a sudden the disciples recognize the need. And the disciples say, Jesus, send these people away because they're hungry. They, they need to eat. And so the first thing that the word of God awakens is need. Why do we gather here? By the preaching of the word this morning, you shouldn't walk out of here just trying to get yours. That the preaching of the word should open your eyes that when you walk out of this place, you have the ability now to see the need beyond the four walls. It's not about when you and I get to the point where we come to church just to make it through the week. You are in survival mode, not in awakening transformation mode. You were created not to survive, you were created to thrive. And we have to move beyond just trying to get through the week into living in an avenue of significance. Now now follow me, the disciples see a need. They see that there's 5,000 people, families that need food. Jesus stops teaching when they recognize the need. He'd still be teaching right now if they didn't recognize the need. Because the word is supposed to open up need. 
So as we speak here, you shouldn't be focusing just on your own need. You should be seeing the needs of others. Second thing the word does is this. After they see the need, Jesus responds to them. You give them something to eat. I think that's great. Because so many times we see needs in people's lives and we tell everyone about the need, but we do nothing to meet the need. See, Jesus shares the principle. If you see the need, it's up to you to meet the need. Say it again, Pastor. If you see the need, you are responsible for meeting the need. Notice Jesus doesn't feed the 5,000. He tells the disciples, you give them something to eat. Whenever we see a need, it is our responsibility to meet the need. Because when you see the need, no one else is going to be as passionate as you are about the need. Listen, no one else is going to be as passionate as helping guys off of addiction than John. Because John saw the need. No one else is as passionate as Nelva is about helping homeless people as she is with LOL. She might try to put me in charge of it, but I'm sorry. It's just I just don't have the passion she does. Doesn't mean I don't love homeless people, but she's passionate about it. It's what she does. There's no one else that's going to be as passionate as playing, getting a team to play softball on Monday nights and Sundays as coach. Why? Because not just that he loves baseball, it's that it's an avenue of bringing people together. And there's no one else that's as passionate about that as him. Whoever sees the need is responsible for meeting the need. And so when Jesus tells them, It's your responsibility. They look and say, wait a minute, okay, you want us to do this. We don't have the ability because all we have is five fish and two loaves. Now, in every single one of the Gospels, all four Gospels share this story. And only in the book of John does it say that there's a little boy that offers his five fish and two loaves. All the other Gospels just say this is what we have, but only the book of John says where it came from. There was one little boy that decided to go all in. One little boy that said, you know what, there's a need, let me give what I have. And I shared with you last week that you got to recognize that you know who your supplier and your source is. You can only go all in. Listen, you can only go all in in your life when you have a need. And you can only go all in when you know that your source is greater than your need. You missed that. Because we all have needs that are greater than our resource. Follow me. Every one of us have needs that are greater than our our source. We have a need greater than our resource. But if you know God, none of you have a need that is greater than your source. Why did Jesus never panic when there was lack? Because he knew who his source came from. They didn't have money to pay taxes. Hey, go fishing. You're going to find a coin in the mouth of the fish. Kingdom living. Whenever they found themselves not having enough food, hey, just bring in what you got. We'll multiply it. 
Whenever they found themselves in struggle or strife, whenever the wind, the, 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 the environment was too great, he calmed it. Why? Because Jesus had the ability to recognize that his source was greater than his environment. See, when we go all in, the third thing or the last thing that I want to share with you this morning is this, is that the last thing that the word of God will awaken is a plan. Everyone say plan. Notice in verse 14, in verse 14, they tell, after all this is over, they, they tell him that this is all we have, but he tells them, but he went ahead and he directed the disciples to sit them down in groups of 50. Jesus, all we have is five fish and two loaves. Look at what God's response is to them. Have the... Multitudes sit down in groups of 50. Okay, so let's, disciples, get out there, get everyone in groups of 50. Not 51, not 49, not 48, 50. Get them in groups of 50. I love this. Are you kidding me? We have over 20,000 people here hungry, ready to eat. And I told you all we have is five loaves and two fish. And your response to me is have them sit in groups of 50. Did you just hear what I told you? I told you we only have five loaves and two fish. And you're telling me to sit them down in groups of 50. How many of you have ever prayed a prayer and it seemed like God answered with something that was totally out of left field? That has nothing to do with what I just asked you. I thought you were God. I thought you knew all things. God, God I, need to, I, need to, I need to inform you. I need to learn you a little bit. All I got is five loaves and two fish, and you're telling me to sit them down in groups of 50. You you missed the question. Have you ever felt like God missed the question in your life? Lord, you didn't hear my prayer right. Yet you totally missed what I was praying about. And he tells them, sit them down in group. God... When he responds with something that seems outlandish, listen to me, folks. When God responds with direction that seems like it has nothing to do with the problem, what do you do? Obey. Why? Because God has a plan. And you won't know what the plan is until you obey. You won't have your miracle until you obey. And I need you to understand what happens. That when God responds sometimes and you, you, you ask God for direction and he doesn't seem to respond in the way you want him to. See, how do you eat an elephant? What was that? One bite at a time. How do you feed 20,000 people? One bite at a time. And God had a plan by which he was going to accomplish this. 
How do you get out of debt? How do you heal a broken marriage? How do you break an addiction? How do you get through something? How do you do that? You have a plan. If you don't have a plan, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And God understood that. Everything God does, he does with a purpose. And so he tells them, sit them in groups of 50. Now listen, after he tells them that, Jesus goes silent. Some of you, God has given you direction for your miracle, and you're upset that he hasn't said anything else. God, where are you? Lord, what do we do? Did you hear our prayer? I'm not going to say anything else. I already told you what to do. And I'm not going to give you another word until you act on the one I gave you. Some of you missed that. Because we're running around looking for another prophetic word when God's saying, operate in the one I already gave to you. Obey it. I want you to notice what happens here. The miracle doesn't happen when they decide to get everyone into groups of 50. The disciples, as soon as he says that, get them into groups of 50, they go out and they organize the chaos. They get everything in order. After they do that, they come back. Now what do you do? What do you do after that? See, the miracle doesn't happen until we respond to God. But let me ask you this this morning as we close. How do you experience a financial miracle? How do you experience a miracle in your life? How do you experience breakthrough? How do you get through? How do you go over the top when there seems to be a need that is greater than your resource? I want to give you three very simple things that they did right here found in the rest of this story. Starting in verse 15. The first thing I want you to know what they did is this. Is they, number one, they obeyed. Everyone say obeyed. They obeyed what Jesus said. When he said, get them in groups of 50, what did they do? They get them in groups of 50. Sounds simple, but the first thing you do to get your breakthrough is obey. What's God asking you to do? Obey. See, there's times that God will do things that doesn't make sense. You want, you want me to, Lord, we need the walls of Jericho to fall. Well, I want you to walk around the walls once a day for six days, seven times on the last. Are you, what's that got to do with the walls? Lord, I'm trying to get out of financial trouble. I'm trying to break through financial struggle here. What do I do? Well, I want you to give 10% of your income because that's a, it's what's called the tithe. I want, it doesn't make sense. How, what, I need money, not need to give money away. It doesn't make sense. But I need you to recognize in verse 15, they did what he said, and soon everyone was seated. They were prepared now. Second thing I want you to notice is this, is that they take the five loaves and the two fish and they give it to them. You have to give what you have to God. You need a miracle? Give what you have to God. And they don't hold it all back, they go all in. 
They give them all their resources. They lay it at God's feet. When you have a need that's greater than your resource, you have to give an extravagant gift. You have to step across the line. You have to go all in. You have to step up and say, God, I'm going to give you everything I have because I recognize my little blessed by you will go far. So they give it to him. Look what verse 16 says. And he took the five loaves and two fish and he lifted his face towards heaven. This is amazing. Lifted his face in heaven toward in prayer, blessed it, then broke it. Another version says this. And after he took it, he gave thanks. And then he broke it. My friend, this morning, stop complaining about what you don't have and start thanking God for what you do. Quit bellyaching about your lack and start thanking God for the resources that he has placed in your hand. Start looking at what you have. Start looking. Now, you know what? My husband isn't this. My children isn't this. My house isn't this. Stop complaining about what you don't have and start thanking God that you do have something. Why was it that Jesus never tripped out when he was in lack? He always gave thanks for what he had. He takes the loaves and he doesn't look at the disciples and said, this is all you guys came up with? You give me two fish fillet sandwiches and a couple loaves of bread. What do you want me to do with this? Do you guys see the need that's going on out here? He doesn't do that. He takes what they give him. Looks up to heaven. His father... Gratitude. Gratitude is the soil by which miracles are grown. After Jesus takes it and blesses it, this is what he does. It's cool. Takes it, breaks it, says, Thank you. Miracle still hasn't happened yet. How many loaves do we have? Five. How many fish do we have? He broke it. Okay. So now we have five loaves that have become ten. Smaller, but they're in half. Four fish. Still got a need. He goes to the disciples and he gives it back to them. Miracle still hasn't happened yet. Now they're holding the broken fish and loaves. The miracle doesn't take place until God blesses it or receives it, blesses it, and then gives it back. And the miracle doesn't happen until they take what is blessed and they start giving it out. What am I saying? The miracle doesn't happen in the hands of God. It happens when he gives it back to you and you start giving it out. 
miracle happens in your hands. The miracle happens when you're holding it. The miracle happens when it's given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, and you then take that. And you start saying, here, let, 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 let me feed you here. And he goes to one group of 50, and they start feeding. They're like, wow, this is pretty cool. Look at this. I thought I'd be out after this. And then they go to the next group, and they start looking. Whoa, they check this out, man. This is pretty, pretty chill. And then they go to the next group, and they go over there, and they start feeding them. Where are you going, Sister Sandra? And then they go over there, and they start, they start handing more food out over there. Then they come over here, and now he, there, there's Peter looking over there at James. and said, dude, do you see what I'm doing here? Dude, I'm bad. Look at this. I'm just, I, it's just flowing because that's nothing man look at me I'm taking care of business over here and then you got the other guy no no Nathaniel say dude I'm bad you guys don't got nothing on me look at this dude I'm doing it behind I'm got I, we we got this going on right here why when they get back together again everyone's already eaten and they're coming back with 12 baskets 12 baskets, five loaves, two fish, 20,000, five, 12 baskets filled with leftover. God gives it back. When you give to God, don't miss a principle. When you give God what you have, he blesses it and gives it back to you. He blesses it, gives it back to you. Still no miracle. Great need, still no miracle. What do you do with the resource now? What do you do with it now? If you put it in your bank account, it doesn't multiply. You missed it. When you hide it away in your mattress, it doesn't multiply. See, God operates in multiplication. And it has to be blessed to be multiplied. But it has to be given away to multiply. It's totally contrary to our thinking. I want to challenge you this morning. If what you have doesn't meet your need, make it your seed. Feed someone with it. Plant it. Give it. You see someone in need? Stop talking about the need and meet the need. I'm here to challenge you this morning. I don't know if you're grabbing this. But this thing has just grabbed a hold of my spirit. And yesterday as we were having breakfast, we turned on a, a message from Miles Monroe. And he made a statement on one of his, his words where he said this. Is that as kingdom people, we own nothing. Ownership is killing the church. Because this is mine. This is my house, my car. This is my bank account. This is my job. These are my resources. But when you're part of the kingdom, I don't own anything. I'm a steward of what belongs to him. So, so check this out. My house 
isn't my house, it's his. My car isn't my car, it's his. He just lets me use it. And my responsibility is to use it for his kingdom, for his glory. God is asking some of us to take that step, to trust him, awakening. Awakening is a recognition of I was created for something better than this. You're kingdom people. This morning with heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment, I'm going to have the worship team sing this song, Overflow, again. See, when Abraham had a promise from God that said, you're going to be a father of many nations. He's 99 years old right now. His, his body is dried up. There's no more life in his body. And yet God speaks that you're going to be a father of many nations. And out of that, God comes and says, I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. I am not the God of barely enough. I'm not the God of just enough. I'm not a God that just to get you by. I'm the God of more than enough. The God of more than enough to meet your need. More than enough to bring a breakthrough. More than enough. I'm the God of overflow. And whatever you need in your life, I will not just meet your need. I will overflow it. I will feed the 20,000. And not only feed them, I'll give you 12 baskets laid over afterwards. Why? Because I am the God of overflow.
stand to your feet this morning. Come on, stand to your feet as the worship team begins to sing the song. If you have a need, if you have a need right now that is greater than your resource, if you're looking at your situation seems larger than your resource, as we sing the song again, I want to invite you to these altars to spend some time before your Father and go all in. Why not go all in this morning? Why not give to Him everything that you have, everything that you lack, and in His hand you will find El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. Come on, Troy. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at www.cwcsj.org.